Rules to Reality is a podcast that highlights how regulation shapes or fails to shape our daily lives. I'm speaking to you from Wurundjeri country and would like to pay my respects to Elders past and present and any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander people listening today. I would also like to acknowledge the ongoing role that colonisation and racist regulation has had on First Nations, but also First Nations resilience and survival in continuing to connect and practice the oldest living culture in the world. Today I'm speaking with Dylan from Vixen Collective, Victoria's peer-only sex work organisation as recognised by Scarlet Alliance. Vixen Collective promote the cultural, legal, human, occupational and civil rights of sex workers. Most recently, you might have heard from them during their campaign here in Victoria to fully decriminalise sex work. The conversation today, it was illuminating. There are few areas where regulation does a more damaging and discriminatory job than sex work in Victoria. The laws are outdated and need radical revision. Dylan steps us through these changes explaining why decriminalisation is so important, but also they help reframe some of the assumptions that underpin our debates. What came through clearly is that we have got to get our discriminatory laws and attitudes out of their way because sex workers are the experts in their industry and experience. They know what to do. I think you'll learn a lot from this instalment, so please enjoy. So please enjoy this episode, subscribe, and rate the podcast on iTunes or Spotify. All right. Um, Thanks so much, Dylan. Thanks for being uh, with with me here today. Um, The first question um, that we ask in this this podcast is um, about regulation. So how do laws, policies, institutions, economies, systems of thought, shape people's lives for for better or worse so why does regulation matter and and i guess the question for you is why does it matter to the sex work community oh i mean i think this is a great question to ask um to ask sex workers actually um you know regulation matters to sex workers um because you know (laughs) without wanting to totally generalize we tend to be a a heavily over-regulated community Mm-hmm. And you know, that regulation might might look like a lot of different things, depending on you know where we're talking about in the world or in so-called Australia, right? So it might mean regulation that is basically completely by the police. Um, you know, if you if you're looking at a, a situation of full criminalization, like in South Australia, um, or in Victoria as well, currently, you know, under licensing, which does also involve criminalization as part of it, um, you know, licensing places police as the regulators um and also bureaucracy you know in government departments and different agencies and so yeah I mean I I think that um often often when we're talking about uh about our rights as sex workers we are talking about dealing with discriminatory and stigmatizing approaches to regulating the sex industry and often really um really heavy-handed approaches to that that um you know like if we're talking I'll talk about licensing I'll stick to I'll stick to what I know so you know licensing as a regulatory model um it's a discriminatory approach that creates more discrimination um Mm. and more stigma 
and so many so many facets of it are actually um you know clearly produced by stigma so i think um ideas like sex workers as vectors of disease Mm. um or sex workers are kind of a like you know a moral contagion that has Mm. to be contained and managed so the situation we have in victoria at the moment um where we have you know we have licensing which is a it's, it's a failure it's a failed approach to regulating sex work um what licensing does is it basically it attempts to manipulate the sex industry with a kind of one size fits all approach so it drops mm. down the set of rules that are designed to um you know to contain the industry and to make sex workers and sex work businesses operate in particular ways mm. um and by doing that um because that doesn't actually work, <laughs> what that does is it actually creates this two-tiered sex industry where you have a compliant part of the industry and you have a non-compliant part of the industry. Mm. And both of those are, are great case studies in the failures of that approach to regulating. So in the, um, you know, if you're, if, if you're somebody who is um, complying with or attempting to comply with the, the regulations that we have in Victoria at the moment, Mm. Um, within the legal framework, then what that means for us as workers is that we're trying to comply with uh, with laws that make us actively unsafe, that impact our autonomy, our rights, mm. discriminate against us. So requirements, um, things like requirements to register um, mm. with the business licensing authority, sharing your, you know, all of your legal details, photo ID, all of that, um, and you know, that's a, that's a record that that you can never destroy. Um, it's, it's stored as a historic record, even if it's uh, deactivated, if you're not doing sex work anymore. Um, so there's, there's things like that. There's the approach to regulating public uh, sexual health of sex workers, which singles us out from the rest of the population based on no evidence at all. Um, you know, sex workers, are, we're really fantastic, actually, at health promotion, at public mm-hmm. health. I'm mm. at educating the broader community as well um, mm. and, uh, and mobilising really effective community-based health response. And, you know, sex workers in Victoria and not, sorry, not just in Victoria, sex workers in Australia, I should say, have, um, you know, rates of STIs that are, are lower um, or equal to those of the, the broader population. So it's, um, again, you know, it's an example of something that's really discriminatory and mm. impact impacts our uh, occupational health and safety and our rights negatively uh so for those for those of us who are you know unable to comply with these harmful arbitrary discriminatory um, laws we're forced to work outside of the legal framework entirely so that might mean um you know working in a business that isn't licensed it might mean um doing street-based sex work which is is explicitly criminalized um, you know, it might mean not being registered because that's harmful to our privacy and safety. So forced to work outside the laws and then vulnerable to police targeting, um, to, to criminalisation, um, reduced access to support services. Um, the, the, you know, the impacts are really enormous. So, yeah, this is a very long answer to your question. But, I mean, you know, regulation of, of sex work has massive, massive impacts on our lives you know, not just our lives at work, but our lives more broadly. So, yeah, I think it's very important to sex workers as a topic. Oh, enormously. And you made such a compelling case of that. And um, it, I don't think that, um, well, certainly I don't, but then a lot of the community wouldn't understand how much of um, public life is cordoned off or, or made unsafe um, because of the way that the, uh, the industry is regulated um, and, and criminalised. Um, that 
like you say, your your enjoyment of of human rights are just simply not on an equal basis with with other people um, in the community. Mm. I know that something um, that's uh, before before Parliament right now, the Sex Work Decriminalisation Bill, uh, it aims to remove some of the discriminatory barriers facing sex workers. Um, could you explain a little bit about those barriers and what the laws aim to do? Yeah, so, I mean, maybe it's helpful to talk about just what decriminalisation is and be, and be really clear about that to start with. So, you know, I think that... Um, there's often a lot of confusion about, you know, what's decrim, what's what's legalization, what's licensing, why are sex workers saying all these things? So I think it's helpful to be really clear. So full decriminalization is it's about removing the police as regulators um, of the sex industry. It's about removing um, sex work specific um, civil and criminal laws that single out sex workers and about actually just allowing sex work to be to be regulated, um, you know, using the same the same mechanisms as as other kinds of work mm. so it's not no regulation um yeah. it's also not legalization it's something quite different um mm. and what you know what decrim does you know i mentioned before about how an approach like licensing which is sometimes you know incorrectly referred to as legalization um licensing attempts to manipulate the sex industry and to control it using, you know, a huge amount of surveillance um, and, um, you know, really kind of like massive intrusion um, into, into parts of our lives that other workers aren't subject to. Whereas decriminalisation is a whole of government approach to regulating, regulating sex work. It views, it views sex work as work, which it is, you know, it recognises that. It, it removes the police. Um, and I think really importantly, um, decrim is for, is for everybody. So it doesn't kind of, um, you know, pick and choose different parts of, of, of sex work or different kinds of workers or, you know, different, different members of our community. It, it's, it's for all sex workers and for all forms of sex work. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, a, a really, a really robust body of evidence um, to support decrim as the, you know, as the approach that's best for best for our health and safety and best supports us in that way. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we, we, we know that from, from, the, from the expertise of sex workers, um, you know, living under different kinds of laws. We know that from, you know, many, many organisations um, locally and globally that support decrim. Um, yeah, so it's a, it, it's really, it's a really exciting combination of, of, of many years of work by Victorian sex workers to be at this point where the government has committed to decriminalising sex work. So it's a, it's a hugely positive step from the Andrews government, absolutely. That's great. Um, is it the first, um, is, it, is Victoria the first state uh, or territory in Australia to decriminalise or are there other states? No, so New South Wales decriminalised um, for, the, for the most part in, uh, in the 90s and the Northern Territory um, decriminalised sex work in 2019. So... Mm. Um, you know, they've, they've really set the standard, um, the NT at this point, um, mm. for, for full decrim. Mm. Um, and, and, of course, New Zealand, you know, outside of Australia and New Zealand um, also decriminalised sex work in the early 2000s, although similar to New South Wales with some, you know, some areas that have some room for improvement. Mm. And I'm, I assume the world didn't collapse inwards. Um, uh, no, I mean, it seems <laughs> everything, you know, the sky still seems to be where it was before all that happened. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's been okay. There hasn't, there hasn't been a big disaster. Um, only... 
only positives for for the sex workers who've, who've you know who've benefited from those changes yeah that's great and um, um i'm sorry you go. no, no no go ahead so I, I mean there's obviously the the legislative kind of changes that are before parliament right now and so um uh, that would be bringing sex work under the same occupational health and safety and equal opportunity laws um anti-discrimination uh, laws that already exist um are there um, are there things that sit beyond the decriminalisation um, agenda that still need to be addressed? Yeah, there are. I mean, I think I think first it's probably first to, uh, important to, um, I guess, just acknowledge that there are some areas in the bill that are really strong um, and also some areas in the bill that need improving. So mm. it's it's in many ways, uh, you know, a really strong decrim bill is a lot of really positive things in there, um, you know, the the removal of registration, um, the dismantling of, of, of you know, the, the brothel licensing system, um, the uh, removal of the discriminatory, uh, the discriminatory uh, section that's currently in the Equal Opportunities Act that allows, um, you know, accommodation providers to discriminate mm. against sex workers. Mm. So there's, there's, you know, just as a few examples, there's lots and lots of positives. Um, there are a few areas of the bill, though, that do need to be strengthened to ensure that, you know, it's full decrim that mm. all sex workers can enjoy the benefits of. Um, I think that the Victorian, you know, Victorian sex work community have been really clear that we're, we're not interested in going 99% of the way or 90% of the way or, you know, any, any percent of the way that isn't, that isn't 100 mm. Um that's not going to be a that's not going to be a slogan. Anyone listening to this is going to see popping up on our social media. Um, send that one back to the workshop. But yeah, but you know we we've been we've all been really clear. I think um, for many many years, um, and particularly um, you know in the consultation process mm. processes that have taken place in the past two years, that we won't accept some part of our community being left behind. Um, mm. You know there there are. The, so there is there is a need for the bill to be strengthened um, to to ensure that that's you know that that's not the case. So we don't want to see any any criminalization around street based sex work retained because if you have criminalization, then you know that really falls short of full of full decrim. Um, mm. And you know it, I think there's been there's been a really powerful recognition from the government that. It's not appropriate for sex work to be regulated by police, that it creates this huge, you know, many, many barriers. It's it's stigmatizing in and of itself. Mm. Um, it means that uh, if people need to access the police, if that's something they want to do, um, you know, whether that's directly connected to their sex work or not, mm. um, that there's real fear of doing that for, you know, for fear of self-incrimination, um, really sometimes, unfortunately, really, really negative experiences um, with um, treatment by police so it, it creates those barriers um, it means that people have to be focused on evading police and evading surveillance rather than their their health and safety choices mm. so what we know as sex workers whatever kind of sex work someone's doing um, we're we're safest you know safest happiest um, if if we have the most control possible over how where when with whom we work you know mm. different people work in different ways mm. um, and you know many sex workers we might work in different ways you know across different parts of our lives or you know 
um, the same person might do different kinds of sex work simultaneously. Whatever it is that somebody's doing, whether it's work in a venue, whether it's independent sex work, um, whether that sex work is, you know, is wherever it's based, whether it's based on the street, um, it's it's really, really crucial that we can make choices that are the best for us and that those choices don't have to be based on complying with, um, you know, with, with discriminatory stigmatizing laws that harm us. So um, we're really, really keen for the, the Andrews government to, you know, to go all the way with the commitment that they've made. Mm-hmm. So um, to, to come back to your actual question about what, you know, <laughs> beyond decrim i mean you know decrim is a powerful and essential first step um, for making sure that sex workers are on an even playing field um, it doesn't fix everything though so mm. you know for example we know that um, sex workers experience a huge you know um, a huge degree of stigma and discrimination, you know, across, across, you know, many or all facets of our lives um, and complex, you know, intersecting layers of, of discrimination that, um, you know, we might experience in settings that, that, you know, would seem to be quite disconnected from our work, but the stigma that we face is so strong that it can kind of follow us through, through many different parts of our lives um, and, and often over many years. So, um, there's a lot of work, you know, there's a lot of work that has to happen to, mm. to deal with that. And we know that, unfortunately, um, although decrim has a really positive role to play in that, it, it doesn't, you know, laws changing, I think, in any, you know, in any situation don't kind of have an overnight impact, um, you know, and we know that sex workers in different kinds of settings, um, uh, different kinds of regulatory settings, different kinds of um, jurisdictions still, you know, we still experience stigma. Mm. So, there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of work that has to happen. I mean, really robust um, anti-discrimination protections obviously are, are part of that and that are actually accessible to people. So um, again, that's actually something that um, there's some great, some great um, steps towards that in the, in the decrim bill. Um, the introduction of profession, trade and occupation as protected attributes. That's, um, you know, that's obviously... Uh, really positive um, but unfortunately we know that it's not enough mm. um, you know ex- experience shows that we actually also need sex work and sex worker um, as attributes alongside that so yeah. again that's you know it's an area that we would love to see strengthened in the bill um, but yeah I, I think that you know going beyond legislation um, yeah the the work of of responding to stigma and discrimination and the kinds of barriers um, that sex workers face for, you know, when accessing, you know, when accessing all kinds of services and and just parts of, you know, parts of public life, as you said. Yeah, yeah it's ongoing work, you know. Yeah. And and I, um, as you were saying that, I also wondered, I mean, there's going to be a really big role. I, I, I mean, you started off by saying, um, uh, obviously, um, within the sex work industry, um, people are, are much better at safe sex and, and good practice, good practice than the general community. Um, it's our it's our PPE, you know. It's our, yeah, exactly. our and it's our it's our it's our work practice. Um, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, um, and so there's obviously a, a lot for the general community to to learn um, uh, from the sex work community on that. But I imagine there's also 
um, work for organisations like Safe Work or the Occupational Health and Safety Regulators who haven't traditionally been regulators of that workforce to upskill themselves to um, to be able to respond to the workforce needs. It, 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 has it, yeah. this, is I a, mean, this is a question without notice, but is there? Um, yeah, that's okay. I mean, yeah, for sure. So I think that's, you know, that's going to be part of the implementation of decriminalisation. It's going to be an important part that in general, um, it's not just about one, you know, one specific agency. It's that, you know, all, all agencies and organisations um, outside of government as well that have some, you know, some role to play in providing services to sex workers or interacting with sex workers um, or, you know, um, being part of a community that sex workers are also part of because I think there's often this kind of othering of sex work, right? We're kind of like, you know, some sort of like vague nebulous threat that are sort of then coming, you know, coming in to, to create a problem. Whereas, of course, we're already here. You know, we're already, you know, the, you know, the person you see, I don't know, buying washing detergent in the supermarket or, you know, your neighbour walking their dog or someone else at the movies or, you know, whatever, right? Um, we're already there. But uh, there's, anyway, sorry, to come to come back to your point, um, there's, there's going to absolutely be a need for, um, you know, education um, yeah. to happen um, and, and broader public education as well to make sure that, um, yeah, that agencies and organisations and individuals, you know, understand what their responsibilities are, understand... Mm you know, understand what the laws are and that they've changed and are equipped to play their part in, you know, in supporting and actively supporting the implementation and the intentions of decriminalisation. So that's always a really important um, part of these processes. Yeah, and, and as you say that, um, uh, you know, I'm sh talking about that, you know, um, you, there is an inherent othering in the way the way we talk about um sex work um community will be better for um community is always better for inclusion and and, and greater representation of of marginalized community anyway well my, my point is there's a lot to gain as a community for um, having different voices in that public square and i think that there's something to look forward to um in that but some of the barriers to do that are stigma you kind of touched on that uh, a little bit there what do you what are some of the um, I guess societal. I think you've touched on a few, but some of the societal stigmas or um, attitudes that that are getting in the way of progress. Yeah, I mean, I think. Look, I mean, that could be probably a its own, you know, its own really long conversation, um, and you know, one that I know that, you know, um, lots and lots and lots of different sex workers would have would have many contributions to. But I think that, um, I mean, I think that you know, there's a small, you know, there's a obviously a small minority of people who have really strong um, hateful views about sex work and sex workers. Um, and then I think more broadly, most people just don't know. You know, a lot of people that I speak to say, oh, it's been great to have this conversation. I've never spoken to a sex worker before. Now, they almost certainly have. They've probably spoken to lots of sex workers in their lives and they just didn't realise it um, because it's, you know, it, it's not, it's usually not safe. Um, you know, I'm using safe in the, in the broadest sense here to, to identify ourselves as sex workers um, or to um, talk about those views in kind of broader public spaces. Um, but I think that 
you know, broadly speaking, what that means is that one of the really big barriers is that um, a lot of people think that, you know, basically just think of sex work and sex workers through, you know, filtered through a lens of what they've seen in media, mm. um, you know, whether that's kind of popular culture or, or news media um, and are often relying on, on stereotypes that are based in stigma and are really harmful mm. um, and don't tend to think of sex workers as people who are qualified to speak about our own lives. Um, mm. And, of course, not only are we qualified, you know, we're, we're uniquely qualified. We're the experts in our own lives. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I think, you know, there, there, needs, to be a, there needs to be a willingness um, and, and a real, I think, humility kind of um, around actually listening, listening to sex workers, listening mm. to sex worker organisations. So, mm. you know, respecting that sex workers are organised mm. um, and that we, you know, that when as individuals or as sex work organizations, we, we you know, we, we put forward um, views, advice, knowledge, you know, we're doing that based on, you know, this incredible, um, you know, just, you know, in- incredible, vibrant uh, base of community knowledge, you know, that we will participate in. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I could just have answered your question and said that there's a lot of homophobia in society. Um, mm. But yeah, I think if we, you know, I think if we're going to unpack that and, you know, then of course there are views that are, you know, I think are just bigotry. Mm. Uh, there's, you know, views that are clearly drawing on um, misogyny, racism, um, transphobia, uh, you know, um, that also shape people's views. I think that's, you know, that's evident in how a lot of, um, you know, uh, people who would who would describe themselves as feminists who, you know, have really strong views. Um, I, you know, I, I would question um, how those views really align with a commitment to, to the feminist project. But, you know, that's a, that's a bigger conversation. Um, but, you know, that's often, often people who are attempting to kind of stir up moral panic around sex work um, from whatever kind of political viewpoint, uh, you know, are actually when they're doing that, they are also relying on misogyny, trans misogyny, um, yeah. you know, racism and xenophobia to do that. Um, so, yeah, this is a this is a very long winded answer to your question. I'm not really sure it's an answer. They are. Let me just interject by saying they are the best answers. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, uh, no, I um. I think you have answered uh, the question very powerfully there. And, um, you know, you, you spoke about the fact that we, we often, um, in, in the way we conceptualise any stigmatised community, we'll see them in a, you know, in a, in a box um, and not see them, you know, as a complex um, mm-hmm. individual with intersecting experiences. But then you also touch on um, this double whammy there where not only do we put people in small boxes, but then we apply other shitty boxes on top of that around, you know, transphobia, whorephobia, racism. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, I think that it, it highlights, uh, I guess, the layered conversations that we need to have and, and, and kind of unlearn as a community. You, 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 touched, you touched on there, um, uh, I guess some views about um, some people who would identify as feminists, and mm. generally speaking, if I if I understand um, their views well enough, 
they see it as inherently exploitative sex work. Yeah. What, 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 you know, I think, I mean, I I don't want to say what is the sex work community response to that because I know there's a diversity of views, but my sense is that's not one shared by people. For sure. And I mean, you're right. I'm, I'm, I would never claim, certainly would, would never be so bold as to claim to speak for, um, you know, for the entire sex work community. Um, I, but I guess I can, you know, I can, I can reflect on that for myself. Um, I think that for me, ultimately what this comes down to is do we want to have, a, do people want to have a long conversation about their, you know, their kind of philosophical views about, about, you know, what is sex? What is work? Um, you know, is, is sex work good? Is sex work bad, et cetera? To me, that's not a very interesting question. Um, to me, the, the, you know, the, the situation is sex work exists. People are doing sex work. Um, and is how other people feel about it more important than people's rights? you know, as work, as workers um, at work um, and other parts of their lives as people in general, like, which is more important? I'm, um, you know, I don't, you know, I certainly don't think that sex work is inherently exploitative, um, you know, um, I guess, unless we're, you know, want to have a conversation about capitalism, we can have that conversation. But in the sense that people are using, using that term to suggest something like specific about sex work, no, I don't think that. I think that, you know, um, sex workers have different experiences of work um and you know people often want when they have conversations like again just speaking from my own experience when people have conversations with me whether it's you know as a as an advocate or just you know in my own personal life people really want to know do you do you like it do you hate it you know they that's what they want to know they want to know are you a kind of empowered quote-unquote empowered um you know like happy hooker or um, in which case you're not representative. And so, you know, people don't, you know, um, that immediately disqualifies what you're saying because you, you're able to speak. So therefore um, you, you must not be representative um, or, you know, are you, are you just completely exploited um, and therefore voiceless? So other people should speak for you. Like that's often the dichotomy that's being, you know, that that's being used, even if that's not at a, at a conscious level and, you know, like, different people have different experiences of their jobs and of their lives in general, right? Not just sex workers. That's, that's part of life. Um, And I think, you know, someone's experience of that and also other people's opinions about it, again, isn't something that is a basis for denying people their rights. Like, again, to me, it's just actually, it's, you know, it's not a very complicated, it's not a very complicated concept. And I think, um, you know, there's, there's, there's lots of unpacking that can be done for people who, you know, who, who want to do it of, I guess, different kind of, uh, you know, feminists and other framings of, of, of criticisms of, um, you know, of, of the concept of sex workers work and all of those things. Um, you know, I think there's, there's, so many you know there's lots of fantastic pieces of writing and other media by sex workers really unpacking those ideas and and really um responding responding to some of the really reductive um analysis that's done um you know by by people who claim to be 
you know, claim to be speaking in the interests of sex workers while simultaneously um, advocating for laws and attitudes that, you know, without exaggeration, quite literally put people's lives in danger. Um, so, you know, if, if for anyone listening, um, you know, there's really fantastic work done by sex workers around this. But I think, you know, for me right now, you know, we're, we're so close, so close to achieving um, decrim in Victoria. And I think, you know, the question, the question is, you know, do you think that sex workers deserve rights? And I think the answer is a really simple one. The answer one is yes. You know, the answer is yes. Of course we do. So, yeah. Yeah. No, thank you so much for reframing that conversation. I hope that that um, helps listeners as well. Um, I think there is a. Um, um, there's a, a voyeurism in those questions sometimes too and an entitlement to, to ask those questions that, that we don't apply to, to other settings. And so the way you've reframed that I think is, um, is important and um, myself and other people need to take heed of that. I think you've, um, you've really powerfully unpacked um, well, what are the problems with criminalisation, what's the opportunities posed by uh, decriminalisation some of the broader work we need to do as individuals and communities. Um, what's one thing that you want the listeners to do um, after listening to us today or listening to you? Well, um, you know, we are, at, you know, I think at the time of people listening to this, we'll be um, still in the week before the final, the final sitting week for Victorian Parliament of the Year. So we are, of course, expecting to see the decrim bill and the, um, you know, debated in the upper house. So what what would be great what we'd really love people to do is if you head to um our website which is www.fixandcollective.org um slash campaigns um we have some information um about what we want as sex workers for the government to do so uh you can call your local mp um don't worry if they're if they're a member of the opposition, but if they're if they're a, a Labor or a crossbench uh, MP, call them and let them know that um, you know you're a member of their electorate and that you you know that you want them to support the decrim bill with the amendments that sex workers are are calling for. And you can read about um, the changes that sex workers are calling for on that page as well. Um, and you can support, um, by doing that, you can support our No Sex Worker Left Behind campaign. So that's, you know, that's one, one action. You can send an email, you can tweet, you can make a phone call. Um, and, you know, b- beyond that, I would just really encourage people to, um, you know, to, to listen to sex workers and sex worker organisations, you know, um, and listen to us as experts um, in our own lives. Um, yeah. Dylan, it's been a privilege. Cool. Thank you very much.